love that song. There's something about it, no matter how many times I sing it or hear it sung, it just stirs me. I've heard that in so many different languages, I'd be afraid to say just how many languages I've heard the people who didn't even know which is right and left hand, Hottentots out of the African jungles, way into India, the different religions, standing by the hundreds of thousands, saying, only believe with their hands up. Tell you it's wonderful to see when people come together in unity what the Lord our God can do for them. We know that he is great, and we love him with all of our heart. And now tonight being the closing night of the service for this campaign, and I believe that there's another brother going to continue the campaign, uh, Brother Sorrell, Sorrell, Brother Sorrell, excuse me, I don't speak good English. And I never knew that so well as till I got to England. Then I knew I didn't speak English. I needed an interpreter in England worse than anywhere I've ever had. So I, I thought I spoke English, but I didn't. He used to continue the revival at a, the theater building where they've been having the afternoon services. I want to express our thanks to each one of you and for your fine cooperation. And this is from myself, Brother Vale, my wife, Billy, Brother Gold, Brother Mercer, and all those who are associated in our party. We certainly thank you, friends, for everything that you have done in your sincere prayers to make it a successful meeting for the glory of God. And I pray that God will give you the exceedingly abundantly. I pray that the revival spirit will never leave your city till Jesus comes. <clears throat> I understand that just I was waiting outside. Billy, my boy, come down. He said, "Not yet, Daddy. They're taking up an offering for you." Wasn't necessary to do that. I never took an offering in my life. My expenses are not too heavy. Around my office expense at home runs me about $100 a day. That's about what I have to have besides my campaign. God has met that in each campaign, in each time, and I certainly thank him. Thank him with all my heart, and I thank you. I was just comparing that with Brother Roberts, Oral Roberts. Best of my, last time I heard of him, he had to have 7,000 a day. Quite a difference. But you see, he has a great program. Television, radio, and it takes a lot to run his program. Besides an office that I don't know, 400 and something in that, I think. And, and so the least paid person, I forget what it is, it's just a whole lot of money to run that business. I'm certainly thankful to the Lord. He never put all that on my shoulders, because I couldn't do it. You have to beg, bum. When it gets like that, I, I'm, I'm going back home. I quit right then. I just don't do it. When I've never taken an offering in my life, as I said, there's been some taken for me each meeting. And then if people didn't send me a little something, 
besides what I the meeting with, I, I, I had to fold up the first week. And so, but I'm just got a little business that the Lord has brought to be with for his. There's four in the office, there's claws, there's stamps about a, I think it's $150, $200 worth of stamps alone each week, just stamps. And some of them overseas, sometimes it takes as much as 2 and $3 to send a bundle of handkerchiefs and so forth. And remember, around the world, and I've been in contact with over 10 million people. You can imagine what it does. We have to make every nickel count to, to make ends meet. But we're happy to do that for the Lord. I'm happy for this offering that you gave me tonight. I pray that God will bless you exceedingly abundantly. And to the best of my knowledge, I'll spend it to the, for the glory of God. And God will reward you for it, I pray, in this world a hundredfold, and in the world to come, eternal high. May it go to make them golden bricks that in your great home that will never perish. And we thank Brother Darnell, Brother Littlefield, all these other ministers, how they've cooperated so nicely. Thank you very kindly. And now, I suppose tomorrow morning, the Lord willing, I'll be on the road back home. And now, next Sunday night, I'm at my tabernacle to you people from up around in home. Uh, I'll be at the tabernacle next Sunday morning, it is, in a healing service, 8th and Penn Street at Jeffersonville. We've been having some wonderful times there. Just when us drop in four or five times a year, because all we get to be at our little Baptist church there. And so if you're passing by sometime, we'd be glad for you to knock on our door. We'd be glad to see you. I used to say the rain don't fall too hard or the night never gets too dark or why would come to you. I wish I could do that, but my, you'd be surprised how many calls there is comes per hour. I think my wife, on all the phones you can, I be called on four phones. I think they run around, I think it was 37 long distance calls per hour. Now you can imagine what it is. That's world over. They, and you couldn't answer them all. Everyone begging. I've had little mothers to get on the phone and say, Brother Branham, this way, I'll just pray. The Lord, I know, wants to bring you here. Here's a great big pile of airplane tickets laying here. Come here, come here, come here. You know how it is. But there's never one cause where I get hold of for what sincerely I pray for them. The Lord gives visions, sends me places. I just go that way as I'm called. God bless you. These handkerchiefs are laying here are from you sick people or going to some of your loved ones. Sincerely, I pray over them. And that's the service you can have them. And now, if you didn't get your handship up here, you wish me to pray over one, just write me, Jeffersonville, Indiana. I'll send you one. Absolutely free and postpaid. It's just Jeffersonville, Indiana. And uh, just my name. And I'll send it to you. We send out thousands of them a month. And so all over the world, and great signs and wonders has taken place of the people's faith. Here recently in Germany, there's a little woman, show you how simple it is. She'd been crippled for seven years with arthritis. And so when she got the little handkerchief, I've got a, cha a prayer chain, according to Central Standard Time, the world around. People have to get up at midnight to go into prayer for one another. And they have instruction. So the little mother pinned the little handkerchief on her underneath garment, and she said, now, you devil, it's had me bound seven years. You just get away from me. Up she got, and down to the floor she went. After being sitting in a wheelchair seven years. Just that simple childlike faith. That's all it takes. 
You look away out there for God, and you look over the top of where he's standing. He's just right by you, just as simple as it can be. Now, let us bow our heads and pray before we minister to the Word. And I want to thank also the custodians and the people that has had this building and for everything. If I left anybody out, I don't need you. The organ and the pianist and the song leader and everybody. God bless you all. It's my prayer. Gracious Father, we approach thee now in that all-sufficient name of thy dear loving Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank thee for every soul that was saved during the time of this revival. And maybe out of that may come ministers and missionaries that will help take the work to the foreign fields across the world before the coming of the Lord. Maybe it's some little housewife that will lead her entire family to thee, or some husband that might lead every man that he works with in his factory to thee. We don't know, Father, but all that's been accomplished, we praise thee for it. And we ask you, Lord, to bless these who we have just mentioned, and many others who needed to be mentioned that we could not mention. We pray that you'll be with all. And now, bless these handkerchiefs, Lord. They're laying here representing sick and afflicted people. And Lord, we are taught in the Bible that they're taken from the body of Paul, handkerchiefs or aprons, and they were sent to the sick and the needy. Unclean spirits went out of them, and great wonders were performed. Father, we realize that we're not St. Paul, but you're still Jesus. And I pray, Father, that you'll honor the faith of the people that's put these handkerchiefs here. And may every one of them be healed. One writer said when Israel was backed into the corner and the desert on both sides and the mountains and the Red Sea had cut them off, in front of them, and Pharaoh's army coming, pursuing them, that God looked down through the pillar of fire, and the sea got scared, and it opened up because the path of God led through the wilderness to the promised land. God, when these handkerchiefs are placed upon the sick bodies of those who are suffering, may the God of heaven look back through his own son's blood, and may the sickness of these people depart, and may they pass to that good promise of health and strength. Grant it, Lord. Minister to us tonight through the written word, by the preaching and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Save sinners. Bring backsliders back to the saving grace of God in a, the home place where they really belong. Heal the sick and afflicted and give glory to thyself. Make every demon to leave the building. Give freedom of the Spirit that your worshiping children might have the privilege tonight to enjoy the deep, rich blessings of the Holy Ghost which the Father has in store for them. This I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. Immediately after the service, you can come and get your your handkerchief. <clears throat> I wish to read from 
the Bible tonight in the book of Revelations. You who are taking the text down each night, and now we will not be letting the tapes go tonight, but you may obtain the tapes if you wish. Just, I think they sell for about $3 a piece, is that right? And you know how cheap that is. I just sent another evangelist and bought a tape, and it cost me $9 for the tape. We got the same tape for $3, just a little bit over the cost. And if you don't know the boy's address, what is your box number there? 315 Jeffersonville. Write to Leo Mercer, 315 Jeffersonville, Indiana. And they'll send you any tape that they want. They have some, all hundreds of sermons on tapes and prayer lines and so forth. You'd like to check back to see what the Lord said to you in the prayer line. Now the book of Revelations and the third chapter and the twentieth verse. I wish to read for a text. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. May the Lord God add his blessings to the reading of this word. Now this is rather an unusual scripture for a healing campaign. And when I first read this, it brought something to my mind, a picture of someone standing knocking at the door. And I am a great lover of art. I believe God is in art, real art. God is in music. God is in nature. God is in his church. God is just all around. And I love art very much. Today I will have the privilege of eating a little bowl of salad with a friend at a restaurant, and I could hardly listen to what the waitress was saying while I was admiring the pictures on the wall. I love to go into a Christian's house and, and see the pictures of Christ on the wall. I went into some mighty humble homes. Now I'd rather go into a home that had Christian pictures on the wall, a little sign up there, God bless our home, and no matter if they didn't even have a carpet on the floor, or a floor to put a carpet on, I'd feel more at home there than I would in a great swanky place with a lot of pinups on the wall. It goes to, let me see what you look at, what you read, and let me sit around your face a little while and see what you read and what kind of a music you listen to. I can tell you what you are, tell you what your spirit feeds on. So that's the reason this week I have certainly hit down on thought of this year television stuff. Non-censored programs, they used to not have them, but they're sure wild today in America. And uh, I found a picture once that was striking that just can't think of the artist who um, 
who painted the picture, but it was of Christ knocking at the door. And he was, I think, a Grecian artist. And while he was knocking at the door, all famous pictures first has to go through what's called the Hall of Critics before it can go to the Hall of Fame. That's a beautiful thought. Did you know all great things has to pass through the critics? God's blessed church has to go through the critics and stand the criticism before it can be tucked through the hall of God's immortal fame. The scripture says, All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. So if you're not persecuted for righteousness' sake, not something you brought on yourself, but for righteousness' sake, there's something wrong somewhere. And this picture hangs in the hall and the critics pass by it. I mean critics who really know how to criticize. And they criticize the picture to everything they can find. Then if it passes to the critics without being criticized, then it's a famous picture. And while this picture was in the procedure to the critics, there was one critic said to the painter, he said, Sir, you have a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus. And you have your door just wonderful. And the little vine over the door, which is very homey looking. But said there's one thing you fail to do. And he said, What is that, my good man? Said you never put any latch on the door. And how is he going to get in? if there is no latch on the door. And the artist said, that's the way I intended to paint it, because on this door the latch is on the inside. That is right. Christ knocks, but you are the one who opens to him. Lo, I stand and knock at the door, if any man will open. The latch is in your hand. The knocking is up to him. And now, what would a man be knocking on a door for? What business does a man have a knocking on another man's door? It's because he wants to gain entrance. He has a message or a present or something that he wants to talk over with you. And that's the reason that people knock at your door. And there's been many great men down through the ages that's knocked on doors. For instance, the great Augustus Caesar what would have taken place if he would have went down to a peasant's house in the days of his noble reign? And he would have went down there and knocked at the door of a peasant, a poor person, the great emperor of Rome, 
coming down to a peasant's house. That would have been a most unusual sight to see the great mighty Caesar knocking on a little peasant's door. If that peasant would have went to the door and opened and seen the great Caesar, he would have fell on his face and would have said, Oh, great emperor of Rome, what do you want here at my humble abode? Enter in, kind sir, and all that I have belongs to you. Oh, what a great honor it would have been for this peasant to have entertained the emperor of Rome. Oh, what if in Germany a few years ago, if the late Adolf Hitler, the fear of Germany, would have went down to one of his foot soldiers' door and had knocked at the door, and the soldier would have opened the door, and there stood Adolf Hitler, the fear of Germany, the greatest name in Germany, standing at his door, while the little soldier would have quickly come to tension and with his German salute, and he'd said, Great fear of Germany, enter into my house. You have paid me an honor above all men. Think of me just a soldier. And here stands the chief general at my door. Oh, great Hitler, what could I do for you? It would have been an honorable thing to entertain Adolf Hitler. That would have been one of his footmen. Or I say this. It would be an honor for the President of the United States, President Dwight Eisenhower, our beloved President, it would be an honor for him to come to you, for him to come to your place, though you might be the best Democrat there is in Chattanooga. You might differ with him in politics, but it would be a great honor for President Dwight Eisenhower to knock on your door and pay you a visit. Certainly, he's one of the greatest men in the United States. President Eisenhower, it would be an honor for you to entertain President Eisenhower, for any of us to do so. And just recently, the Queen of England made a visit to the United States. What little woman here in this city, but what would have been a great honor? If that queen would have went to your door and knocked at your door, and when 
You asked her who she was, and she said, I'm the Queen of England. Oh, you'd have been happy. The newspapers would have packed it. The radio would have broadcast it. That the Queen so humble that she brought herself down to a, a little shack somewhere. Or to my door. Or to your door. Though she has, we're not her subjects. But she's a great woman. She's the greatest queen on earth. The most powerful queen on earth. Though we're not her subjects, she has no jurisdiction over her. But she's an important woman. That's what makes the difference. And the newspapers would have been glad to have picked it up. But you know what? The most important person in all eternity is the Lord Jesus. Who's more important than He is? And who's more turned away than He is? Oh, you would take the Queen in quickly. Or you'd take the president quickly. And the papers would pack it and the radio would pack it. They'd be glad. But Jesus can knock at your heart's door and you shut the door in his face. And say, I don't want nothing to do with you. It'll spoil my society. It'll spoil this, that, or it'll... Make me and my husband different with each other. Or make me and my boss different with one another. I'm so glad that the gospel of Jesus Christ does make you different. For there is a vast difference when you serve the Lord. When Jesus once comes into your heart, you're a changed person from then on. But think of it, if you knocked on somebody's door and tried to get in and they shut the door in your face, you wouldn't go back anymore. But not him. He'll come night after night, day after day. That's what makes him God. It's because he's so humble. He continually constantly knocks at your door. I've had the privilege of visiting some great men. King George of England, the late king. King Gustav of Sweden. And many other great men. The late Willie D. Upshaw congressman from the south here. He was healed in my meetings after being a cripple for 66 years. The Lord healed him. And I've had the grand privilege of meeting great men. Now, if a man is great, when you talk to him, he'll make you think that you are the great one. But you take a man that just thinks he's somebody, he tries to blow himself up all the time when he's nobody. Just give him a change of clothes and he's a changed person. 
But a real big man makes himself small. That shows that the God of heaven made himself a foot washer to mankind. The way up is down. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. That's what's the matter with we people today. We don't want to accept that humility of the gospel. We want to think we're just a little bit too good. We know a little more than someone else. And Jesus knocks at the door, and he's turned away. Oh, you say, Brother Bram, just a moment, not me. I accepted him a long time ago. He came into my heart. Well, I am very happy about that, that he did come into your heart. But then, what would happen if the queen come into your house, or the president come into your house, and you had a little treasure sitting up on the wall, a little, a little something, a little thing that you thought locked up, and what if they desired that? You'd say, oh, queen of England, you just take anything that's in my house. It's yours. You're welcome. And if you invited me to your house, shook my hand at your door, and said, Brother Branham, come in, sit down, make yourself at home. Well, I'd just feel very well to go in, kick off my shoes, and lay down across the bed and take a nap. If I was hungry, I'd go out the icebox and fix myself a sandwich. I'd feel like it. I was a brother. And that I was welcome anywhere in your house. But we let Jesus in to our door to be our Savior. But we got a lot of little bitty doors that we don't want him fooling with. Now I'm going to just skim down just a little bit. I don't mean to hurt. But look, that's right. You don't let him be your Savior because you don't want to go to hell. But will you let him be your Lord? Lord is rulership, ownership. Can he come into your heart and govern your life? Oh, there's a little door just as soon as he steps in the heart door. You say, now, Lord, you can save me. I appreciate that. I'll be baptized and go to church, but you see that little door over there? That's my private life. And I don't want you dealing anything with that. That's the attitude of Christians today. Too many of them. Don't you fool with my private life now, because I've got my own little group that I run around with, my own little associates, and I don't want you tampering around with that then he's not welcome. Then he don't worry, he won't stay very long if he's not welcome. You remember in Gadaria? He wasn't welcome, so he didn't stay. So, you say, now, my private life, now, I've got my own little clique that I hang with, and that's us and the Joneses, and we just don't want anybody else fooling with our lives. We have a little bridge party, and and we, uh, Susie and I, we showcase shop every Tuesday afternoon and Thursday, and I just don't want you fooling with that. 
Oh, you say, I, I wouldn't say that, Brother Branham, but you do it anyhow. Now, we've got a little society down at our church, and we stitch and sew and sew and stitch and stitch and sew and talk about this so and so, and I, I just wouldn't have anything to interrupt that. No wonder we can't have a revival. Profess Christians without possessing Christ. Oh, well, I tell you, I've thought it all over, but I do smoke cigarettes. I know I oughtn't to do it. Well, then stop it. If there's a question in your mind on anything, don't do it. Anytime there's a question, you're wrong. Stop it. Causes more death than anything I know of. Cigarettes. Or you say to sell them on the television. What else do they do on the television? Let me say this with a good, sweet, humble feeling in my heart. A real born-again Christian knows better than to do it. When I was a little boy, when I first was ordained in the Missionary Baptist Church, I got a little Bible, and people kept saying to me, Brother Branham, is it wrong to smoke? Is it wrong to drink? And I was looking at that little Bible the other day. I wrote a little thing in the back. I said, don't ask me foolish questions. Make this up in your mind. If you love the Lord with all your heart, you won't smoke to or drink any shine. And I think that's pretty good to stay by. <clears throat> Questionable. And my son was at a certain Baptist church here not long ago, right in Tennessee. And the preacher had to let out the Sunday school early so all of them could stand out and smoke before they come back into the classroom. That's one man that's packing the name of a Baptist who don't deserve to be called that. That ought to be my class once. I tell you, I'd rather preach the four pillars of the wall and tell the truth. I'd out that bunch of hypocrites or they'd go to the and make things right with God. So you see, you don't want to never vote me down here in your church. <laughs> I believe that the time has come when people won't, oh, they say, Brother Branham, just a minute. My pastor smokes, so he needs the orders like you do. Right. He was right in his heart, he wouldn't do it. Oh, that little private life that you have of your own, that little door that you don't want nobody fooling in. Then there's another little door over there that's called pride. Oh, how you love to hold your little nose up in the air. Pride! You think you're somebody. Here, some time ago, I was standing with some boys. I wasn't with them, but I was watching them. And they were looking at a great coliseum we were in. 
And it was telling what the estimation that a man weighing 150 pounds was worth in chemicals. You'd be surprised what a man's really worth. He's got just about enough whitewash in his body to sprinkle a hen's nest, a little bit of calcium, a few ounces, and when it's all bounced up, a good, strong, 150-pound man's worth 84 cents. And a woman's worth less. She doesn't have the chemicals the man does. And then you'll put a $500 mink coat around that 84 cents and stick your nose up in the air. If it would rain, you'd drown. And then think you're somebody because you've gone to a church somewhere. Right. What is it? Eighty-four cents. And one of those boys said, the other said, well, John, we're not worth very much, are we? And I put my hand on both his shoulders. And I said, I have no question to that. Scientists who has analyzed that made that statement. But boys, as a minister of the Lord Jesus, you've got a soul in it's worth 10,000 worlds. If you went down here and got a bowl of soup and you started to eat and you found a spider in it, oh my, you'd throw that soup out and sue the restaurant. You're sure taking care of that 84 cents, but you'll let the devil put 10 million times that much poison in a cigarette down and pay for it. Or a drink of whiskey. Or a card party. I may never see you again in this life. This may be my last visit. Perhaps it is because I'm heading for the fields overseas. But I want you to know what is truth. That little door of pride. Oh, it's so... Today, I tell you, if you want to do something, you paint your steps red next week. And you see if the people living next door to you don't paint their steps red. You buy a red car. And your neighbor just can't stand it. He's got to have a red car. It's a day of impersonation, matching. I guess there's some time ago, a few weeks ago, I was wearing a pair of dark trousers. I had on a pair of green socks and a red tie. And my wife said to me, she said, Billy, that don't match. I said, but it's clean. I don't care whether it matches or not. I don't care whether my socks match my trousers or my trousers matches my coat. I want my experience to match God's Bible. That's the kind of matching we ought to do. But oh, that little life of pride. The preacher can preach against immorals as much as he wants to. And you'll let it run off of your back like the 
ducks back and water running off of it. You just know so much that the gospel can't penetrate anymore. Talk about breaking down the middle walls of petition and the people coming together with one heart, cooperating, great meetings, and for the glory of God. Just let a revival start. That has nothing to do with our denomination. There you are. Oh, that little life of pride. Then there's another door in their selfishness. What I can get out of it. Me and my family. Oh, we couldn't join that little mission down there because that, well, I, my social standing with the people, I got a very good store in the city. I run a filling station. If they know that I went to that mission, oh my. In my travels, I find the best spiritual meetings that I find is in little bitty missions where a half a dozen people are seated together in heavenly places. Got to most of the demons on the outside. Shut in with Christ. Then there's another door that I like to have Christ to knock at tonight. That's the door of faith. That's a real needy door. I want to dwell just a little on that. You come into the church, and perhaps you have accepted Christ as personal Savior, but you just don't have any faith, you say. No wonder you won't let him take over. Oh, your pastor says the days of miracles is past. Then that blocks Christ from your door. The Bible said he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when Christ comes in, he wants to be ruler. He wants to be the Lord of your faith. That's the reason people don't get healed. That's the reason they don't have the faith to brace out. They stand back behind something. Touch me. Or do some little hocus-pocus over me. Let me say this, my brother, any man, whoever he is or what church he belongs to, that tells you that he can heal you is absolutely teaching something contrary to God's Bible. Healing is a finished work. Christ did it on Calvary. And if he can only come into your heart and open your heart, you can see the finished work. It's finished when you accept it. Salvation is the same. If there's power to heal a man, there's power to save a man. Man's both saved and healed when Christ died at Calvary, or he was wounded for our transgressions, and with his stripes we were healed. Therefore, that little door, that faith, Oh, I'll, I'll give a try. Faith doesn't try. Oh, blessed be his name. Faith knows where it's standing. Faith's got big muscles and a hairy chest. And when he raises up with his big muscles, everything contrary sets down. He lets out a scream and it sounds like a panther screaming. And ever jackrabbit takes to his den, face the boss. 
All things are possible to them that believe. All things. Well, you say, I might ask God too much, Brother Abraham. You can't ask him enough. He loves to do it for you. Could you imagine a little fish about a half inch long out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean saying, well, I better drink of this water sparingly. I might run out someday. That would be nonsense. And it would be more nonsense to think you could ever exhaust the Father's goodwill to do things for you. Could you imagine a little mouse about so long under the great garners of Egypt saying, now just a moment, there's only 450 billion tons in this garner, so maybe I'd better just eat one grain a day because I might run out before springtime. Oh, that's the way some Christians think God is, trying to launch yourself just join the church. Just doing this. Oh, if I just do the best I can. If you do the best you can, you'll believe every promise God made is for you. You can never ask Him too much. He loves to give it. Ask much that your abundance, that your joys might be full. Just ask for great things and believe for great things. But for reason you can't do it, you say, now, Jesus, you saved me. Don't you let me go to hell, but don't fool around because maybe Dr. Ph.D. Calhoun is right. It might be that the days of miracles are past. It might be. It is for you. You just make that up. It is. A man come to me some time ago and he said, Mr. Branham, I don't care what you do or say. I don't believe in miracles. I said, it wasn't for you unbelievers. It was for those who believed. That's just the only question. Jesus said, he that believeth, all things are possible. It's for those who will believe and will place their unadulterated faith in the finished works of Christ. God's there obligated to do it. The door of faith. If Jesus could stand at the door of faith, and I no criticism against the doctor, I believe in doctors. If a doctor, you know what? I have found more believing doctors in divine healing than I have preachers. Right. The trouble of it is, is the motives behind it. You go to the surgeon, the surgeon will say, don't you go to that medical doctor. You don't need sugar pills. You need an operation. And the surgeon will say, you don't, or the medical doctor will say, you don't need that butcher on you. You need some pills. And they'll both say, don't you have nothing to do with the chiropractor or the osteopathic. And they'll all say, stay away from the preacher. And when man thinks that, we know that surgery has done great things, medicine's done great things, osteopathic and chiropractic. If there wasn't a selfish, greedy motive behind it, we'd all join arms together for the better of mankind. 
And so would churches and preachers if they wasn't so present in their hearts. Amen. They won't let Christ take the door. I've known many men been helped by chiropractic, osteopathic, operations, and medicine. Certainly I do. I believe it's God's program. And everybody that ever was healed was healed by the power of God. There never was a medicine ever healed or never will be. You can't have a doctor to tell you that medicine heals. If he does, he's wrong. Healing is building tissue. Medicine only keeps a thing clean so God can heal. That's right. It's an aid, not a cure. Or that's what Mr. Mayo said at the Mayo Clinic. That we don't claim to be healers. We only claim to assist nature. There's one healer that is God. That's the best that we have. But the selfish motives behind it, the objectives is wrong. We ought to try to get together and put our arms together, doctors and ministers, and all different types of things that can help our fellow man make life a little better for him, a little more pleasure, help him get rid of his aches and pains, and let him be happy as God really intended him to be. That's what we need. But how can you expect the doctors to do it when the preachers don't even do it? That's the reason Christ has to have the right of way in the heart. If Christ can come into the heart of a doctor, he'll work day and night to try to save that patient, whether he gets a penny for it or not. And he'll cause every minister, he'll do everything he can if he's got that patient heart. Certainly. Any man that's got his heart right with God tries to help the fellow man. That's what we're supposed to do if we let Christ stand in the heart of faith, open the doors, and use every effort, praying God let us know where we're moving next. Then there's one more door we want to open before we start praying for the sick, and that is the door of your eyes. Did you know the Bible said that this age would end up naked, miserable, poor, poor, wretched, blind, and wouldn't know it? I counsel of you to come and buy eye salve from me. That you might anoint your eyes with eye salve that you could see. The door of the soul is the eye. What if we was raised up in the mountains of Kentucky, and my grandpa used to hunt raccoons, and he would take the grease and render it up and make some kind of a little uh, a lard out of it. And Mama used to keep that raccoon grease sitting around when us kitties got cold and her eyes sleeping in an old house with clapboard shingles on it and a piece of canvas over the top of the bed keep the snow and rain off of us. No floor, just a stump sawed off at the top for a table. A little old bed with a fence rail around it and a piece of canvas tacked on it and shucks for a bed. Don't know what hard times is. And our eyes would get cold in them and they'd shut up. Swell shut and little. Mama called it matter would get in her eyes. 
And she'd go get this old bowl of coon grease and grease up her eyes and make them soft so that we could open our eyes and see daylight again. But you know what? The church of the living God has caught a spiritual cold and almost froze to death. And their eyes has gone blind to the things of God. And it'll take more than a dish full of smooth cooling grease to do it any good. Or a little bit of theology from some cemetery or seminary. All about the same. All right. It'll take the anointing salve of the Holy Ghost to open our eyes that we might see the goodness and the mercies of God. God will send signs and wonders among us. We'll say, oh, well, it could be telepathy. Oh, Dr. Jones said not to pay attention, that it might be so-and-so. Oh, God, open your blinded eyes. How that God wants to anoint your eyes with eye salve and grease them up right good so it'll get all the cold and indifference out of you. And you can open your eyes and see His presence. Listen, America, I say this, not to individuals, but to America in full. Your hour of judgment is near at hand. You're just as sure this nation will be judged by God. If it isn't so, I'm a false prophet and a liar at the pulpit. Just watch for it. It's coming. Mark it in your books and say, Brother Branham said so in the name of the Lord. And you're going to see that it's going to be just that way because God's Bible said so. The other day, I made this statement to you. I said, if God doesn't judge this nation for its sin, he's obligated to raise up Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize for sinking them. Certainly. God's obligated. He's just and he's honest and he's true and his judgments are true. And God's no respect of person. And we've weighed in the balances and found wanting. I wanted to preach on that this week, but it just the week ain't long enough. On weighed in the balance and then the handwriting on the wall. We're at the end time. And our eyes are blind to it. A certain minister said to me some time ago, said, if you be a, a servant of Christ and you have the Holy Ghost, strike me blind. Strike me blind. Said, Paul struck a man blind. You strike me blind. I said, brother, I can't do what the devil's already done. You're blind now and don't know it. Oh, he said, when the Bible speaks blind, it means physical blind. I said, Elisha struck the whole Syrian army blind and said, are you looking for Elisha? They said, yes. They said, well, follow me. I'll show you where he's at. Gehazi was blind standing there and couldn't see the angels of fire and the mountains on fire around that prophet until God opened his eyes. Spiritual blindness is ten million times worse than physical blindness. If I have to go blind in my eyes or go blind in my spirit, God take my eyes before my spirit. Let my eyes be open to see his glory. Anoint my eyes, O Lord, with thy eyes, Sam. 
Don't let cold come in and set up an infection and coldness, indifference, denominations, creeds, doctrines, and so forth that give you the pneumonia. And your eyes have been all mattered and swelled up until now God can show His glory. You can hear somebody enjoying it, so-and-so got healed. Why can't I? It's open your eyes to see His glory. He's here. Christ still lives. We are so stupid in our ways, all of us. We don't realize the good things that God does for us. You let take place in Africa, India, Europe, Asia, anywhere, the things that's happened on this platform this week, God will have over a hundred thousand souls in his kingdom without one third the effort. But the things that you now have been privileged of God to see, it's going to be taken from your eyes. Just mark my word and see if that's right or not. This is the last night of the service. See if that's right. Then tell me whether I'm a false prophet or not. For the hour is at hand. It passed its crisis two years ago. And they made their final choice. Oh, there'll be great efforts put forth. Little spurts up here and there. But the great revival is ending. I know you don't believe that because I feel your spirit. But it's so anyhow you just want to see how close it is to being wrong. Next thing this nation gets is judgment. It's sparing mercy. It's judgment. Open your eyes. Look around. How can it keep from happening? If there's a true God in heaven, he's obligated to do it. Now... We don't even notice the good things that God has given us. A free nation, a free speech, and the things that we've had, and the great revival just went through the country. Great signs and wonders has been done. Billy Graham, Jack Schuer, Oral Roberts, and many of the great ministers has passed through the land, back and forth, back and forth through America, and we just say, well, if he belonged to our denomination, what would be different? And then all the holiness in the Bible that's been preached and what you've been taught, you still, you women, strip yourselves and go half naked. You men do just as contrary. You sit around at your wife, act like that and dress like that and say nothing about it. Well, you puppet. How would you ever make a preacher? How would you make a deacon? If you can't control your own house, what are you going to do in the house of God? That's the reason the house of God's in the shape it's in today. We need Man with brass nuts to preach the gospel, to uncover sin and show where it's at. Not some little petty thing. We did an old-fashioned breaking up, tearing down, moldy over. We did an old-time St. Paul's revival and the Bible, Holy Ghost, back into the church again. Instead of a bunch of little isms. Baptist, Methodist, and they all call it down. You Pentecostal one after little sensations, a little funny feeling, or a little oil of blood in your hands and face. And what did you get to? You see where you're sitting tonight? Come back to Christ and open your eyes, man. It's a love of God that's 
absolutely pure and sure. And how can you prove you've got the love of God and fussing and fighting and stewing and acting the way we're doing? That's hard, but it's true. Someone said to me a few days ago, after the first sermon here at the church on that, said, Brother Bram, you'll never be pauper preaching that. I said, I don't want to be pauper. I want to be honest. Don't care about popularity. I want to be honest before God. I could have compromised with it a long time ago. But God give me a heart to stay true to Him. I don't care what happens. If I don't have a friend left on earth, I won't want any glory. When I cross the river of death, I want to meet him there. Certainly. I'm only saying this not prejudice. I'm saying this to stir your hearts. To some of you people stop this little things around here and get back to an old-fashioned prayer meeting in each home around here. You'll make preachers ashamed of themselves. The laity can do it if you'll just do it. If the preachers can't get together, you get together. Have a revival. Not indifferent, make it different from somebody else, but make it for the church of the living God. All these good blessings, we never appreciate them. Night after night, hour after hour, God puts his blessings down, but soon they'll be lifted. Closing, I'll say this. You know what's the matter with America? You've seen too much. Not long ago, I was in a city about six weeks ago, Waterloo Highway, and someone come told me, said, well, all of our people there, they've already been to your meeting, Brother Bannon. Said, there's no need of going down to Brother Bannon's meeting. Said, if you go down there, the only thing you see, people come up on a platform and it's uh, told them what about themselves and so forth like that. Oh, we believe all of that. Don't you see how cruel the human heart can be? That ought to thrill the human heart in such a place that we start prayer meetings everywhere. But they're so cold, so indifferent. Just what the Bible said they'd be, the lady will see in church age. But those who he loves, he chastens, rebukes. Those who he loves, certainly he does. That was his message to the lady of see in church. And remember, this text that I'm reading tonight is to the lady of see in church. I stand and knock at the door. Certainly. We've seen so much and so much of God's glory. Oral Roberts, all the rest of them, their meeting seems to go, be going down. Sure. Even Billy Graham, a lot of them. You don't have it no more like you used to. What's the matter? The little going over is just about finished. It don't excite the people anymore to see good meetings, great revivals. They don't care for great preachers and so forth that the Lord has sent them, like those men. Here some time ago I made a remark about a man that was starting a little sensation. I said, don't do that, brother. If I could preach like you did, I'd never mention such a thing as that. But you'll try to get something a little different from the other bunch so you can draw this bunch over this way, this bunch over this way. My point him up that way. That's where we go. Now, one time there was a man going down to the seashore. He was tired. He said, I'm going down to take a little rest. I've never seen the sea. And on his road down, he met a man coming back. An old salt, an old sailor. And he said, where goest thou, my good man? He said, I'm going down to the seashore. 
I long to see the great briny waves leap. I want to smell the salty air. I want to hear the seagulls as they scream. I want to see the heavens reflected into the salty water. The old sailor said, I was born on the sea. I've been there for 40 years. There isn't nothing thrilling about it that I can see. That was it. You'd seen it so much so it become common to him. That's what's the matter at the church tonight. You've seen God's blessings, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and those things which has been going for years in the church till it's become a common thing to you. Your fathers and mothers rejoice when God began to pour out His Spirit upon the church. What about you, Church of God? What about you, assemblies of God? Why, you stood on the corner of a little tambourine and everything else would have died for the cause, and now you won't walk across the street for the cause. Amen. What's happened? You did run well. What hindered you? It's become so common to you. You believe it all, sure, but it doesn't thrill you anymore. It's so common. God's so good to you, and you don't realize it. Down here in the South, an old colored preacher friend of mine, he told me a little story. And he said, one time he had an old colored man there. His name was, we called him Gabe. His name was Gable. But we called him Gabe just for short. And he tried his best to get old Gabe to come to church, and he wouldn't do it. His wife prayed for him. He'd done everything, but old Gabe just wouldn't go to church. And he wouldn't get right with God. And the preacher liked to hunt, and so did old Gabe. And they went hunting, and Gabe was a poor shot. He couldn't hit nothing. But he liked to hunt just the same. So one day when he was out hunting, both of them, on the road coming back when the sun was setting, both of them loaded so full of game they could hardly walk. Or it had been a real field day for them. They had birds and rabbits and squirrels and all that they could pack just loaded down. And the sun was going down. They was coming along a little old familiar pathway and the preacher walking in front just with all the game that he could pack. Old Gabe behind him, crippling along, all he could pack. After a while, the preacher felt a hand on his shoulder, patting him. And as he looked around, old Gabe was looking right in the face and the tears running down his black cheeks. He said, Parson, you see that sun setting yonder? But yes, Gabe, I see the sun setting. He said, that's the way the sun's setting in my life. He said, Parson, in the morning, which is Sunday morning, you're going to find me down at the moonless bench. And as soon as I can straighten up there with God, I'm going right back and get myself a seat. I'm going to remain in the church until death sets me free. And the old colored pastor, loyal to his post of duty, he said, Gabe, you know I'm happy about that. Said your wife has prayed for you for years and your children has prayed for you. I've prayed for you, I've hunted with you, I've talked to you. Why the sudden change, Gabe? He said, Parson, you know I was one of the poorest shots in this country. And he said, Look here, I'm loaded down with game. Said he must have loved me or he wouldn't have given it to me. How true that is. 
He stands at the door and knocks. He sends his spirit, his blessing, his word, his everything, sends it to you, and you're loaded down, and you don't deserve it. Surely you let God open up the doors of your heart tonight and stand there in faith and loyalty. Say, come, Lord Jesus. Don't only be my Savior, but be my Lord. Take my pride. Take my selfishness. Take my unbelief. Take my blinded eyes and open them, Lord, and stand in my heart as King of kings and Lord of lords. Surely we appreciate him that much of the goodness that he's did for us. While we think about that just a moment, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Oh, hasn't he been good to you? Hasn't our blessed Lord been so good to you to give you so many good things? And yet, look how we treat him. Is there one of, there is plenty. In here tonight, we're not going to bring you up here to the altar, but I wonder if you'd just like to say, Lord, you've been so good to me and I've been so unlovely to you. But I want to raise my hands and say, God, forgive me. From this night on, I mean to serve you with all my heart on the bottom floor. How many is going to put up their hands? God bless you, sir. God bless you. You, 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 oh my. Just look at the hands. The balconies to my right. Raise your hands. Saying, oh God, you've been so good to me. And I'm undeserving. But from this night henceforth, by your grace, I'm going to try to prove myself to be a real servant to you. Here's my hand, Lord. Will you raise your hands? The balconies to my right. God bless you. That's good. The balconies to the rear. Would you raise your hands and say, Christ, from tonight on, don't be ashamed back there, children. Little boy, put that cigarette out back there. All right. Shame on you. Coming in the church of God. Did your mother raise you like that? If she did, she needs a whipping. This is not an arena. This is a house of God, and you respect it. Put your hands up. Say, God, be merciful to me. That's the way to do it. God bless you. Balcony is to my left. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. That's right. Plenty of them all around. Heavenly Father, just a little bit now, and we'll say farewell. This great meeting will close. Of my part of it, the singing that I've been doing on this corner will close, and here is at least 200 hands or more. Yes, more, I'm sure, went up tonight. That they're sorry that they have treated you the way they have. You've been so good to them, and they've been so unlovely in your presence. Forgive them, Lord God. And may they, like old Gabe, the little story just told of the old colored man down here in Georgia. I pray, Father God, that they'll find their place at the church of the living God. 
and their place at the altar, and there serve God until death shall set them free. We see you each night with a great wandering sign. Come down here and manifest the resurrection of Christ. And we walk right out. Say, well, that was very nice. We might not say it in so many words, but Lord, in the heart they say it. And you don't pay so much attention to the lips. It's the heart. God, we pray now that those who have been so loyal and so real, believing every word and rejoicing over everything that you've done, strengthen their experience now, Lord. Granted, may they put on the full armor and go out to fight likewise into the battle for the battle's about over. We can hear the victory cry. Fear not, little flock, it's your Father's good will to give you the kingdom. Bless all together now. We ask that you'll take these dear children into your arms. They've been sweet and kind. And we pray that you'll bless them abundantly, Lord. All these fine pastors that have been on this platform here during the week, some of them out into the meeting here at dismiss their churches and things. God be with those men. Oh, strengthen their experience, and may they go forth like burning torches through this city and around about. Give great revivals, Lord. Granted, you'll send your preachers until the last soul is in the kingdom. I know you will, and I pray my blessings be upon them, Lord. Granted. Now I ask now for divine presence of God to come now and manifest the Lord Jesus in the power of his resurrection once more before we say farewell to each other. We pray that we'll meet many more times on this earth. But if not, may we meet in that great kingdom of which we're trying to represent tonight, God's kingdom. Keep us safely, Lord, by the Holy Spirit under the blood. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many really loves the Lord? Just really loves Him. I don't care what church. Just really. Isn't that wonderful? At least 95, maybe better, 100%. I trust it is that we love Him. What is God? God is love. He that loveth is of God. Now that isn't what we call free love. That's agapo love. There's two different kinds of love. One of them is the Greek word is philio. Philio means friendship, the kind you have with your wife. Love, that kind of love. That kind of love is not a true love. Oh, I know you little teenagers want to believe that, but it's wrong. That kind of love will make you jealous of your wife and you'll take a pistol and blow a man's brains out because of her. That ain't real love. That's filial love. But a gospel love will make you get down and pray for that man's lost soul. That's a gospel love. That's the kind of love the church needs. What we all need is that kind of love. God, give me that love. I'd rather have that experience of love and have all the gifts that God's got in his heaven. For you can have every gift God's got and still be lost. How many knows that? 
That's exactly right. It's love. The love of God. Where there's tongues, they shall cease. Where there's prophecy, it'll fail. Where there's knowledge, it'll vanish. But when that which is perfect shall come, it endures forever. Love. Love one another. That's the great thing. Billy, how many cards? One hundred. I wonder if there's how many in here. I don't know what to do. It's late. I just take so much time. I'd like to run a fast line. Just bring the people through. I'm afraid I can't get them all through. Oh, let's try. We, we'll do. Let's. I tell you, who's got number one? What is that? M, Z. Let's start with number one. Who has Z? Prayer card Z, like X Y Z. Who has Z number one? Raise your hand. Anywhere in the building. Prayer card. The lady way over here. Come over here, sister. Z number two. Raise your hand. Look around now. See who it is. Raise your hands real high. Breathing and see if he won't speak right back and do. If he's the same, he'll speak the same. Now you have faith and belief. I'm going to try, if the Lord willing, because the newcomer. I suppose the lady here is a stranger to me. I don't know you. That we're strangers. If the Lord God will reveal to me what you're here for, just make another picture. Just like the well at Samaria, a man and a woman. Here's our first time ever meeting. The woman's a little older than I am. She may be born miles apart, a few years apart, and here we are standing here for the first time in life meeting. Now, if that woman, I don't know her, I've never seen her, but if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if she needs healing, God's already done it. If she needs salvation, Christ already prepared it. If she needs Anything she has need of, Christ is our portion. Is that right? But now, for me to give it to her, I can't. I couldn't do it. But Christ can on one basis, if her faith will believe it. Now, the first place, and the real true and all, the real way to believe it is take God's word for it. But then he set offices in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. All for the perfecting of his church. Now, if he will do that, now engineers watch this when the anointing comes, I don't know how loud I'm speaking. If the Holy Spirit will reveal to me what you're standing here for, you will accept it as you will receive it. How many audience will do the same? I wish you I I, I want to say you mean that. I, I want to say if you did, and the Lord turns and does this, then there'd be no need of a prayer line anywhere. Amen. Did you ever think of that? You said you'd believe it. Here's this woman and I we've never met in our lives. Here's our hands, both of them up. Here's God's Bible. This is our first time meeting. I have more idea of what that woman's standing there for than, than any strange person to her. I could not tell you, but I'm a minister. I believe that Christ promised it. It was the gift that he's made known the entire world around of millions of people. 
He promised that he don't have to do it. He didn't have to heal when he was here, but he did it that it might be fulfilled. He does it now that it might be fulfilled, that his word to the Gentiles, the promise, just the same today as it ever was. Now, if he does it, then every one of you can just walk right away and say, Thank you, Lord. I accept you in my heart. You're the king of my heart. My faith doors are open. You're standing at the door. I accept my healing. Thank you, Lord, and go along rejoicing. It'll all be over. That's just exactly the gospel truth. That's according to the word. That's according to your testimony. That's according to your witness. Now, it's up to God to prove whether it's right or not. God grant it is my prayer. Speaking and then coming in to start this type of praying for the people, it's hard. <clears throat> You're changing yourself right back, waiting for an anointing. Did you ever see that picture out there, the angel of the Lord? Yeah. Oh, you have one. All right. Now, do you believe that's the same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel? See, it was a pillar of fire. And when Jesus was here on earth, he said, I come from God and I go back to God. And when he was here on earth, he said he was that pillar of fire. He said that. He said, I am that I am. Before Moses was, I am. He was a pillar of fire that was in the burning bush. And he said, now, he's here in flesh. I come from God, the pillar of fire. I go back to God, the pillar of fire. And when Paul met him on the road to Damascus, he was that pillar of fire again. Paul fell down, then people by him didn't see it. But it put his eyes out. He said, Who are you, Lord? That great pillar of fire. He said, I'm Jesus who you persecute. Then here's his picture on paper by the FBI fingerprinting document. It's true. George J. Lacey said, The light struck the lens, Mr. Branham. This mechanical eye of this camera won't take psychology. So there, it's absolutely proof for scientific that it couldn't be psychology. Shame if I'd be here in psychology as a minister of the gospel. Not me, sister. I thank too much of my Lord for that. I'm here to help you to do everything I can to get your faith in Christ. The woman, I see the Spirit of the Lord as it was moving like a light coming right in between me and the woman. She's suffering with an extreme nervousness. That's right. And you got to guard her. That's true. Do you believe now? Of course, the garter doesn't show it's the inward garter. But it is. It's a choking spirit. There's more of them in the meeting. You want prayer for somebody else? That's somebody that's not here. That's your husband. Got trouble with his head. It's over now. Both of you feel. Or you can go now and be well. In Christ's name, God bless you. Go and touch your hand. Do you believe, ladies? Are we strangers to each other? We are. If the Lord Jesus will do for you, between you and I, as a brother and sister, like God did for the woman at the well, you'll accept it and believe it. 
That's an awful headache, isn't it? That's scientists making an awful headache. That's what you have. Scientist trouble. See, you hold your head like that many times, up above in your eyes and things. Very bad. Tried everything. Nothing worked. But you are believing that you'll be healed. There's another thing. You might know I'll be absurd. You won't pray for somebody else. And that's your son. You believe that God will tell me what's wrong with your son? He'll take every bit of shadow away from him? He's got trouble with his back. And he's got trouble with his head. And another thing you're praying for, for the salvation of his soul. He's got a dark shadow over him. He's shattered for death or he's a sinner. That's thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. There's not a way in the world for that to be known outside of God. Is that right? If that's right, you believe that, raise your hand. I go find it just the way you believe it. It'll be just that way. God bless you. God bless you, sister. Just want to touch your hand. I don't doubt. Have faith. Is that two or three? Two? Three is a confirmation. Now, if I can, I'm going to start the fast line just a minute. If we can. It's hard when that anointing is pitching like it is now, and to start a line like that. Well, we're strangers to one another, I suppose, ladies. I don't know you, but God does know you. You believe the Lord Jesus could reveal to me what your trouble is? You want prayer for your eyes? That's right. Of course, you're wearing glasses that that eyes going bad. But do you? There's more than that you want prayer for. You've had an you've had an operation. That's right. And they removed the kidney. I see him take it from your back, your side. That's exactly right. And you're praying for somebody else. And that is a relative by marriage, a sister-in-law. And she's not here. And she's shattered for death with a cancer. And she lives in a big city. It's a place called uh, Atlanta, Georgia. You're from Georgia, too, but not from Atlanta, just outside of Atlanta. Do you believe? Your name is Mary. Your last name's Looney. Born your own. Believe what you've heard. Believe it comes from God. You can have what you ask for in Christ's name. Go rejoice in Him. God bless you, sister. Let's see if I could. How do you do? Uh, can't do it. Just, just let her go. There it is, already moving. Just stand there a minute. A woman's powerfully in trouble. That's it. 
woman suffering with an extreme nervousness, and she's lost one of her senses. I see you trying to it's smelling. You've lost your sense of smelling. That's what you wanted prayed for. I know that you're going to receive it, so don't worry. You smell now. You can smell right now. See? Her hand go up. I see that light. My stripes with you. That's right. Hallelujah. And you want prayer for that son, too, don't you? It's mental trouble. And he's unsaved. And you want prayer for him. You're going to receive it. Go on your road rejoicing and thank God for his goodness. All right. Come, sir. It's all right. Just have to let it go. Too weak to bring myself back to you. How do you do, sir? I'm a stranger to you. Do you believe God? you believe that God that we stand before will judge us on Sunday? If we're not under the blood of his son, Jesus, You're suffering with an extreme nervous condition. You're very nervous. It's a mental nervous. You're weary. Cross bridges before you get to it, always planning something never happens. Stop doing it. Nothing will bother you. Another thing, you got trouble with your head. Your ears. Also, you have trouble. You got trouble in your chest. You got sinus trouble. That's the truth. You got a habit you want to quit. That's smoking cigarettes. Yet you profess Christianity. I don't know Christianize about truly, but that's what's causing a lot of your trouble. That's the blackness of hands on you. Will you forsake the things? Would you believe that God sent me? God let me cast the thing from you right now. You got a life here you're praying for too. You believe God can tell me what's wrong with your life? Will you accept it? She's got a lady's trouble, female trouble, and she's also got heart trouble. That's thus saith the Lord. Now you're healed there, sister, and you're healed too. The thing's gone from you. Go in the name of the Lord Jesus. Have faith. Don't doubt. Be quiet. Don't move around. I suppose we're strangers to one another. This is our first time meeting. Now please, please, friends, be reverent just a little longer. I thought I could start to fast my tent, because the morning's already struck the building. People are clean. I just stand as long as I can. How many of us went through the line? This is quite a bunch. Do you believe that the Lord Jesus is present, sir? We're going to stand in His divine presence someday to give an account of our lives. If the Lord God will reveal to me what your trouble is, you be the judge. If I told you you were sick and you're going to be well, you'd have a right to doubt that, because that's something to be in the future. But if I told you something that was in the past, you'd know whether that was true or not. chest and you've got an inward condition, an internal condition, that you don't know what it is. What difference does it make what it is, as long as you're not in the presence of God who heals it? You believe it? 
I'm a city here. You come from somewhere else. That's Georgia. Alma, Georgia. It's exactly right. You're Mr. Lee. Go back down there and be healed. Jesus Christ makes you well. Have faith in God. Don't God. You believe in Jesus Christ, God's Son. I be reverent. How do you do, sir? Suppose our first time meeting, sir. In the presence of His blessed being, if I could help you, sir, I would do it. God knows my heart. I would do it. But we're both going to stand in His presence someday to give an account of our lives and what we've done here on earth. If the Lord God should reveal what's on your heart that you want from Him, you're here for some purpose, I don't know. Would you accept it as coming from Him? You would. You're suffering in your stomach. You got a stomach trouble. And you got gallstones. Gall condition is going into your stomach, which is upsetting and throwing into spasm. Sour batches and so forth, bitter, comes up from it. Cramps on the right side. I see you somewhere about you. You're a preacher. A Baptist preacher at that. You believe you're healed? Or preach the gospel of God bless you. I say, don't move, please don't. Maybe the people are getting tired. You think you're over the bad trouble? You do it? We're off the platform rejoicing and saying, Thank you, Lord. Come here, you. Please sit still just a few minutes longer. We're young to have that. That's a female trouble. But you have it just the same. You believe the Lord our God will heal you? Go then and believe it. You believe it. I just want to touch your hand as it go by. God can cure diabetes. Don't make anything to Him. He can make you well. You believe that with all your heart? You believe He'll make you well and heal you too? Or you go up there and say, Thank you, Lord. Believe it with all your heart. You shall have what you've asked for, sir. God bless you, mother. Then you're quite fine. But Christ lives in the heart. You believe he'll heal your heart and make you all your heart trouble? Don't believe in anything. Don't doubt. You can have what you ask for. If you just believe it, don't doubt at all. You believe, lady? You're young for this, but you got all the eyes. You believe that God will heal you? Go on the road and rejoice and say, Thank you, Lord Jesus. What gives you your stomach trouble is a nervous condition. But you have a stomach trouble which you want me to pray for. Go believe now and you eat and enjoy yourself like you used to. Just believe with all your heart as you go. What if I didn't say a thing? Would you believe me anyway as God's servant? And raise your hands and praise and walk the platform and say, Thank you, Lord Jesus. If I didn't tell you nothing, would you believe anyhow? Well, your heart troubles left you. Go on, believe it on God. Strangely said, her, her stomach trouble, do you believe God's going to make you so you can eat? Right, go on your own and rejoice and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. You're nervous too. The 
this time of trouble also. Ladies, trouble which is normal for you, a woman your age. You believe God heals you? Go on, Lord, rejoice in him. One lady, you think Christ heals that back trouble for you? Go on, Lord, rejoice and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, and you can be well. Anyone can see he's got a trumpet in his ear. Let's get rid of that just a minute. Bow your head, never mind. You believe? Lord God, in Jesus' name, remove this power of the enemies. I take this from you here, giving perfect deliverance and making well. Let these ears come open to the glory of God. Amen. How long have you been that way, sir? About 20 years. About 20 years. 20 years, you Well, you're just hearing me whisper and talk now. You're healed. And all the asthmatic trouble and things you had in the trouble has all left you now. Go rejoice and thank God and be well. Say thank you, Lord. God bless you. Great God. All right, scoot yourself over like this. See how it's different you feel. All right? Your back trouble's over. Amen. Let's go rejoice. Praise the Lord. A shadow of darkness follows the woman in cancer. But do you believe that God heals you, sister? Go on your road. The darkness has left you. Very well, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Turn around. You think that lady's trouble means female trouble? Just keep on walking now, and be made well, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you breathing? How much more? You read that you're here, lady? Just start rejoicing. Go off and one said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You read that you're here? Just start rejoicing. All right, sir, breathe it with all your heart, and you shall have it. Come now. You breathe, sir? Your heart's going to beat good from now on. Just keep on moving. God bless you. Say praise the Lord. Strange for that too. Go on your own rejoicing. It leaves you. That is just a nervous condition anyhow. Let's say praise the Lord. Everybody. Do you believe with all your heart? You believe God's going to make him well? If I pray for him, you think it all right? Come here, young man. Lord God, creator of heavens and earth, cursed be the disease on this boy and this affliction. May he get well. I ask it as Jesus said, stay to this mountain, be moved. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you said is coming to pass. You can have what you say. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, son, don't you doubt you're coming out of this town. Be well. You believe with all your heart. Amen. Do you believe with all your heart? You're disturbing when you're moving around like that. Please be quiet just a moment. Here, let's turn to the audience just a minute. How many in here without prayer cards? Let's see your hands. Let's come from right to left across your now. Ladies sitting out there on the end of the row with a stomach trouble, do you believe God makes you well? If you can believe it with all your heart, you can have what you ask for. If you can believe it. Down here, not upstairs, down here on the floor. Accept it and believe it with all your heart. Yes, ma'am. It's all over now. Have faith in God. I challenge you to believe for the Son of God. What about this row? Somebody in this row wants to believe? Raise your hand. Somebody wants to believe. Here's the closest lady to me. I can't say he will, but if he will. Would you believe me, ladies, right there? Then your back trouble will leave you, and you'll get well. You believe it'll make you well? All right, you can have what you ask for. What about this row? Are you believing? What about you, the elder lady? You believe that God will heal you that arthritis to make you well? Raise up your hand if you believe it. 
All right? You can have what you ask for. What about over this road here? Anybody believe you want us to be healed? What's that little girl with her hand up down there? Do you believe she was? You do? There's two little girls sitting there, both of them have diabetes. That's right. Raise up your hand there, Daddy. Sure, that's right. All right? Go home and be well, honey. Jesus Christ heals you. Amen. Somebody else, somebody in the balcony somewhere. What about you? Is your hand up, young lady? You believe that God will make you all that nervous trouble? You got an unsaved son you're praying for. You have it. All right? It's over now. Jesus Christ will be here. Are you believing? Are you everybody believing? He's here. Why are we putting on? Let's believe God. Do you believe him with all your heart? Then let's stand to our feet just a minute. Everybody. Raise your hands up to God. Promise God. Lord God, I now believe. I just can't go any further without thinking out from under me. I, I, I know that the Son of God is here. Amen. Don't doubt any longer, friends. Raise your hands and praise Him and give Him thanks. You are everyone healed. I pronounce it in the name of Jesus Christ. By Christ, you're healed. Raise your hands now and give Him praise. All down this little line here, give Him praise. And God bless you, Lord God, creator of heaven and earth. Here's my prayer, Lord, the final prayer for these people. I condemn every disease that's in the building. I condemn every affliction in the building. And Satan, you're exposed the Son of God has raised from the dead to confirm his word, and you have lost the battle. I charge thee, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of this people and turn them loose so that they can be in the kingdom of God in this place. Hallelujah.